how fashion and luxury will evolve in the face of disruption brought on by the pandemic, new technologies, and environmental and social concerns is a question top of mind for the industry. What will fashion look like in two, three, or 10 years time? To answer it, we're spending 30 minutes each week with industry innovators leading the way through a changing landscape. I'm Hilary Milnes, and this is the future of fashion, the innovators by Vogue Business. This podcast is sponsored by PayPal, the most trusted buy now, pay later brand, according to a recent survey, which gives merchants access to PayPal's 377 million users worldwide. Learn more at paypal.com slash paylaterenterprise. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Future of Fashion, The Innovators by Vogue Business. I'm your host, Hilary Milnes. The pipeline and life cycle of fashion trends has been changed drastically by the rise of Depop and TikTok, two platforms beloved by Gen Z. As the next generation of consumers acquires more purchasing power, brands will need to understand and grow accustomed to new shopping behaviors that are more online than ever before. Our guest today can help us make sense of what's happening. Peter Semple, Depop's chief marketing officer, and Tim DeSaint, a TikTok fashion influencer with 1.6 million followers, are here today to discuss what brands should know about Gen Z-driven fashion. We'll come to Peter and Tim in just a moment. Also here today is Vogue Business Trends Editor, Lucy McGuire. Hi, Lucy. Great to have you on. So happy to be here. Yeah, so you have covered this topic a lot, and we love it. It's really interesting. And can you tell us, you know, what stands out to you about what's happening right now, the way users are posting and sharing and responding to fashion content on TikTok specifically? Yeah, sure. So what's interesting about TikTok fashion is it's such a new arena for brands and for influencers. So the hashtag fashion on TikTok has actually already reached 60.5 billion views. And that's really all happened since 2019. So TikTok's been around since 2017, but it was only in 2019, really, that the fashion content started to proliferate, brands started to get on board and work with creators. And that's brought us where we are today. And it's interesting the types of formats that are on TikTok as well. So on Instagram, you're used to the kind of outfit of the day posts, whereas on TikTok, it's a little bit more instructional and informational. So Tim can definitely speak to this later, but it's things like styling tips. It's how to dress like your favorite celebrities. It's how to blend luxury brands with high street brands if you want to. And also, you know, it kind of responds to feedback. So the audience is very involved in curating the kind of fashion content they want to see on the platform. Again, Tim will probably speak to this too, but, you know, they say what kind of things they want to see. They say what kind of videos they want to be made. And that's how a lot of the fashion creators operate. And another aspect of TikTok more generally and specifically in fashion too is the challenge element. So whether that's the Gucci model challenge where people replicate a singular format. So in this case, it was dressing like a Gucci model on the runway. And those kind of things go viral overnight. And it's a way that people can get involved with fashion from their bedrooms and go viral because based on the way that TikTok's created, you see videos based on how they perform with other users rather than based on who you follow. So you can create a fashion video in your bedroom and go viral overnight. And for Depop, how would you explain Depop to someone who's not familiar? So the way that Depop structured is it's a social resale platform. And what that means is that sellers can create a shop in and of itself that belongs to them. And, you know, users can like, follow sellers and comment on posts. So it creates a real social space around the resale, around resale selling. Depop has over 27 million registered users and 90% of those are under 26. So it's very much a Gen Z platform in its current state. And, you know, one third of the UK's Gen Z's are on, on the platform as well. 
So it's a really good barometer for what kind of items Gen Z are looking for and more generally what they need as a consumer. And I'm sure Peter will touch on this later, but it really builds on this sort of entrepreneurial spirit of Gen Z and also reflects their concerns around things like sustainability. Great. And so you wrote a few months ago about this new trend pipeline that has been connected between TikTok and Depop. What is happening there? Yes, the thing is on TikTok, as I mentioned before, it's got this real virality to it. So trends can kind of appear overnight. And the thing is with Depop, Depop sellers can respond to trends that they see on social media super rapidly because most of them are making clothes, reselling clothes from their bedrooms. They're on social media every day. They don't have the same lag that traditional retailers might have where they spot a trend in pop culture and it takes them six months to turn it around. And so this pipeline's emerging where social media and Depop are kind of inextricably linked in how trends proliferate between the two platforms. So take a trend like Cottagecore. It emerged in early 2020 on TikTok, and I think it's now at 4.6 billion views, the hashtag Cottagecore on TikTok. But also on Depop, search for Cottagecore spiked 900% between March and August. So just in that one search term, you can see the correlation between the two and how looks appear on Depop based on what people have seen on other social media platforms too. Thanks, Lucy. And with that, let's bring in our guests and dive in. Peter and Tim, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us. Great. So, Peter, let's start with you. Lucy gave us uh, some great background information. How, in your own words, would you explain Depop's popularity among Gen Z customers, especially because resale stores, consignment stores, and new sites have been around for a long time? Um, What made Depop really stick with this new generation? So Depop was actually founded about 10 years ago. Its founder lived in Milan at the time, and he ran a culture magazine, a culture and fashion magazine, and he created it as a marketplace for the community he was within, this sort of connected, creative community. And he sort of put them and their personalities and their self-expression. He didn't necessarily have all of this language for it, but he put them at the center of the product he built, and then he worked with them so they could bring in their communities and the whole thing have sort of an organic viral spread. And so that that was the sort of origination of Depop. And then a few years later, Gen Z sort of really comes online and social media proliferates. And they came to Depop as a place where they could make it their own and they could be themselves and they could express themselves and kind of create their own identities and brands. And for the last, you know, five, six, seven years since Gen Z has become sort of the grounding and the foundation of our platform, we do everything in our in our power to understand them better, to serve them better, and to give them a place where they really can make it their own and express themselves in all the ways they want to. So it was part where it begins, and then it's part how we work with them as a generation of community going forward. Right. Basically, how you've taken their desire for ownership over what they're buying and selling and, and embracing that. Um, yes. It's really interesting. So, uh, Tim, can you describe TikTok fashion to us? quote unquote, in a nutshell, what do you post about? What do people respond to? You know, interested in what you might have learned about the Gen Z audience on, on TikTok and if it overlaps with what Peter and, and Depop are seeing as well. Well, I think TikTok fashion is really wide. I think there's all kinds of different creators on there, all kinds of different people, first of all, creating different types of content, whether that's more educational or more aspirational or inspirational. And I would say the fashion in general is just very, very vast. You get anywhere from from streetwear to more high end to more um, fast fashion. There's really everything for everyone, right? Me personally, the kind of content I create on there, I would say, is a mix of educational and entertainment content. So I'll do a lot of outfit ideas, a lot of how to style X or Y item, and then sometimes I'll do 
a little bit more fun content, like how to dress like Harry Styles or three outfit color combos that that work well, in my opinion. Um, so I'll kind of mix it up. But yeah, that's that's pretty much the gist of uh, fashion on TikTok. There's definitely an element of feedback on TikTok. Do you get feedback from your fans? And what kind of content are they asking for more of at the moment? Oh, 100%. The comment section is, is, a, is a gem in terms of actually finding new ideas to create content and stuff. There's too many comments to actually read every single one, but I definitely use the comment section a lot to dictate the kind of content I want to create. And what's good about TikTok um, compared to other platforms, I would say, is that there's this feature where you can directly reply to a comment with a video. And that's a very popular feature on the app, not only in fashion TikTok, but on TikTok in general. And I think it really creates this sense of community because it's not just the creator putting out a piece of content and then people responding to it. There's actually a back and forth. It's not like a YouTube where you actually choose to watch this or that video. You you don't have as much control on what you're watching. So pretty much you're getting fed the content that's getting the most engagement, that's getting the most views and the most sensational content. So I would say actually the, the fashion trends that emerge from TikTok are also actually emerging from the most trending content on the app. Like pearls really came in strong in 2020 and you saw a lot of guys and a lot of girls wearing pearl necklaces. And for me, like TikTok was such a huge contributor in that because everyone started to wear that on TikTok. And I feel like TikTok is really, it's kind of the word from the street, right? It's like what people are, are really wearing. Like they're taking what the designers are making and then they're like, okay, I want to wear it this way. And then other people are like, oh, I like that. And then they're making content with that as well. And that's how trends get popular on, on TikTok. And Peter, do you see similar patterns on Depop? Has the emergence and lifespan of trends on Depop sort of changed during the pandemic? I think, you know, as in, as in the brilliant article, you see this sort of really interesting connection point between TikTok and, and Depop. And as Tim says, that may even originate, you know, outside of TikTok with ASAP Rocky or Kendall Jenner with the brown puffer jacket. And then TikTok as a platform manages to bring these things to life in such kind of fascinating ways so quickly. And then people go to Depop to purchase their version of it and to be part of, of what that thing is. And I think the thing that makes sort of Depop unique is obviously it has, you know, these millions of sellers are the ones merchandising the fashion and it's primarily secondhand fashion. So if something like a brown puffer goes viral via TikTok, then people can respond quite quickly by, if they have a brown puffer within their, you know, their collection of things that they have up for sale or they're able to thrift brown puffers, they can then present those things for sale very quickly. It's fascinating how all these things kind of interconnect. And I think we see on Depop, but as a reflection of what's happening in TikTok and kind of TikTok-driven culture, I think we've definitely seen during the pandemic more of these kind of really bright flares of styles and of, of kind of fashion moments because people are at home and they reflect on the experience they're having, which is also largely obviously an experience that most of the world is sharing and then you have a really engaged audience who are spending more time on platforms like TikTok. So something will blow up because a number of really interesting creators position it in a really interesting way. But you know what? Next week, another set of creators will do something else very interesting. So it's so rapid, and but it's sort of fascinating. And I feel like some parts of them, through osmosis, evolve into whatever the next one is. So, you know, the academia thing, the light academia has some connection to cottagecore, at least in my 
view, they look like there are kind of connective threads between them. So, but yeah, on, on Depop, I think we see people reacting very quickly to these things as they become social and culturally viral. And some of them are very quick and fascinating and burn bright and kind of burn out. And then some of them, I think, will have longevity. And Peter, I wanted to ask, you mentioned at the beginning that Depop really uses and looks at customer data and what's happening mm. and goes off of that. When when there are such external engines that are driving activity on Depop, how do you even react? How does Depop keep track of what's happening when it's so quick? This brilliant generation and this brilliant kind of creative world that Tim sort of inhabits moves so quickly that obviously it's it's a constant responsibility of ours to try and keep up with it. We have, I guess, on a day-to-day basis, a number of different inputs to the ways that we do that. So with our top seller channel and sort of the biggest sellers on Depop, we actually have a sort of Slack channel, ongoing direct conversation with them as a sort of subset of Depop users. And then, of course, we see the behavior within the engine and we see search trends spike and we sort of get into some of the data stuff of that. It's a responsibility kind of incumbent on us to keep an eye on what's happening in external culture and either through social listening, social reading, or we do a lot of co-creation with people within the community to sort of understand what's interesting to people. So it's sort of a mix of kind of the qualitative actually speaking to young people and having a bunch of them internally on our team and then seeing what's actually happening within the platform. And then, you know, the ways in which we can respond to it is obviously in our channels, be they the Instagrams of the world or the emails that we send to our community, we can obviously kind of bubble up these things of, oh, here's an interesting thing that's happening right now. Here's something you should look at. Here's a search, search trends that's spiking. And within the app, the sort of front page of the app is, is called the Explore page. And we have a curation team who sort of physically go through the app all day, every day to pull out interesting places. So that's sort of our, it's a very kind of organic human way of merchandising on a day-to-day basis. So internal signals, external signals, and then finding ways to kind of put these in front of people and get people excited about sellers are adopting this kind of style or this thing is a really interesting genre or just individual items sort of bubbling them up to the explore page. Yeah, I think what's really interesting as well is sometimes with TikTok, it can be an outside influence that creates a fashion trend. So you mentioned the academia trends and I'm sure that you saw these, Tim, but there were so many videos, I think around the time that the students would have been going back to university if it wasn't for COVID. There were so many videos of sort of Ivy League school libraries with kind of funny videos of people like pretending to wander around aimlessly um, in fully styled academia looks. And they weren't necessarily fashion content. It was more sort of a play on missing university or being the, one of few, very few people at university. But then it definitely contributes, that kind of thing definitely contributes to, to an aesthetic trend. Would you say so as well, Tim? Has there been anything else that you've seen that maybe is an outside influence that's then brought something to fashion TikTok? Yeah, I mean, for me, like TikTok and, and just social media in general is a, uh, it's it's the word of the people, right? Like it, it's it's a very accurate representation of what's what's going on in people's lives in that moment. And like, if whether that's celebrities popularizing a trend or whether that's um, let's say it's with academia, like it's that time around the back to school season, like anything that's happening in real life that's a really big contributing factor to like fashion trends right now. I feel like that's going to be very strongly reflected in the type of content that's going to be, that's going to be posted on TikTok. I mean, we, we've seen it even with just <laughs> the, the pandemic and everything, like just the whole loungewear situation. It's, it's changed the fashion industry as a whole with, with so many brands um, starting to produce loungewear and everything. And um, a lot of people also wearing that on TikTok. 
Peter, does Depop have a relationship with fashion brands that really blow up on the site? Um, you know, what have any conversations been like about this? Because I imagine if you are a brand, you're probably wondering, you know, how do I get involved in this? How do I keep up? It's kind of out of their wheelhouse. Yeah, we have sort of relationships and kind of ongoing conversations with a number of brands. And we we collaborate with them first and foremost around a secondhand offering and actually kind of embracing vintage, which is obviously where the fashion industry is trying to move to, or lots of it are. And lots of these brands that are, are so used to producing nothing but new are now trying to understand how they can obviously lessen their environmental impact and how they can embrace this kind of rise of secondhand sustainable consumption that's sort of largely being driven by Gen Z. So we, you know, we we have had sort of, and you know, it seems like a million years ago now in the real world, did a partnership with Ralph Lauren where we actually, some sellers on the site, curated a selection of vintage Ralph Lauren that was sort of with an eye on what's modern trend-wise. And then we presented it actually in their kind of flagship store here in in the UK. So I think there's some, obviously that takes some orchestration, but there are brands trying to look at how some of their kind of secondhand or vintage offering and kind of the long tail of their production can actually kind of be resurfaced to, to build engagement. I mean, I guess brands can in the same way that we look at the trends and the data signals and then try and sort of curate and merchandise the ways in which you can find that inventory on Depop. I'm sure brands do a similar thing of, you know, if cardigans are really big because of the Harry Styles crochet thing, then they can try and merchandise their cardigans more quickly. So I think there probably is some kind of real-time reaction to it. But the, sort of the wonderful thing, as I say, about the the millions of items on Depop and, and the second-hand breadth and scale is that because these things are usually around the way a look is styled and put together, there are usually existing versions of it, ideally somewhere within reach of our community. And, and you're right, that isn't something that fashion brands will will or can react to. And we wouldn't necessarily want them to produce new clothes every time there's a new thing happening. So I think that's where it's another reason where the sort of sustainable market and secondhand market is a really sort of positive answer to constant newness, constant expression, constant reinvention, but without creating anything new. Do you see that for the customers, that's what they are coming to Depop for? Is it that sustainability element? Is it about trends? Because you think of how something that's so trend-driven, you, you mostly think of fast fashion, but mm. Depop is a, is a different solution for that. Yeah, I, I think we sort of look at it as a, it's a variety of things. And I think the the point about being more and more aware of the impact of your consumption environment or the sustainability piece is more and more a motivator. But I think the kind of unique opportunity that Depop has is actually to make it because of this really, really fascinating community that sits at our heart, much like the TikTok, is actually to make it desirable and aspirational. Because in a world where you can have quite quick trend things delivered by fast fashion, and they're relatively cheap for the most part, you really have to make it, that's, that's a big competition, basically. That's a big thing to sort of fight against and provide an alternative to. So we definitely look at, the fact that people are embracing sustainability and understanding their impact as one driver. But, but I, I think, and again, you know, to sort of connect it to the TikTok thing, I think it's people come to Depop because they're shopping from people. They're buying from people who look like them or who's dressed like them or whose style they find fascinating or whose values they share. And I think it is really that, you know, we put the community at the center of absolutely everything we do, but they're really the special magic secret source of the thing is 
they're expressive, fascinating, creative people who are brands in their own right. And I, I think that there will be more and more people who come to secondhand for sustainable reason only. But I think the combination of less impact plus buying from someone fascinating or being inspired by someone fascinating, I think that's the wonderful kind of alchemy that makes Depop the place where Gen Z is, is moving. I think there's a really common thread as well between TikTok and Depop in this idea of styling and restyling. So, Tim, I'm sure that every time that you do a post, it's not a completely new look. It's not an unboxing video or sort of a haul video. It's repurposing things that are already in your wardrobe and showing how they can look cool. Can you see the way that this is linked together and how brands and audiences are looking for repurposed, more DIY, restyled looks as opposed to just churning out more fashion? Yeah, 100%. I mean especially because people are getting um, the inspiration people are getting on TikTok are from real people like like you and I who are showing our own outfits and we don't have an, an, an infinite wardrobe. Um, so we're actually showing looks like over and over again. So uh, a lot of content for me, for example, would be how to style one particular item. So like how to style a white t-shirt, for example, and everybody has a white t-shirt, right? And then if I show 15 different ways you can style a white t-shirt over five different videos, now people get to know so many different ways to reuse that item. And, and it, it really makes the whole fashion circular. And um, it, it helps people reuse the items, be more sustainable with it, and really just work with their, with their current wardrobe. And I think that, that definitely feeds into what Peter was saying about Depop, where people are actually brands on their own there, where people buy from people on Depop because they like their style. And, and so they want to have like, oh, that old item, that old jacket or coat that that person used to wear, they now want to actually own that and then use it for for their own wardrobe. So, yeah, I definitely see that happening. Like for me, when I got on Depop, um, I already had a bit of an audience on other platforms. And I definitely think a lot of things I sold on Depop, if I didn't have an audience, it would have been much harder to sell, right? So you can definitely see the correlation there where people like they're buying things because they associate with the brand of, of that person. There are a lot of new ways for creators and influencers to monetize, to interact with their audiences that don't involve brands. Um, so Tim, I'm interested, do you think that brands are kind of at a disadvantage or at least sitting a bit outside of the the, the trend pipeline and that interaction, that engagement um, than they might have been during you know the, the peak of the influencer on Instagram boom? Not as much as, as you would think, I don't think. Um, as an influencer, I think for most people, unless you're at the very top and you're creating your own brands and you're creating your own business from it, 90% of influencers who are making a full-time living from it, I would say are making the majority of their income from brand deals and from selling products from brands. So whether that's a direct brand deal with X or Y brand that's paying them to um, be in a piece of content or whether that's affiliate income where um, they would, for example, link to an item or to many items and people who would then buy from those websites, um, they'd get a, we, we would get a percentage of those commissions. And I do think that for the majority of people, that's still the main way they monetize because, I mean, the alternative to that is pretty much the creator fund on TikTok or YouTube AdSense. And those don't really pay that well um, compared to other forms of monetization. So I do think that brands are still a huge part of, of the influencer space and are going to remain so for forever, or at least for a very, very long time. Um, I, I think it's all interconnected. Peter, do you see an opportunity to reach customers outside of this very core 
active Gen Z base. Of course, that is, I think, very desirable. And a lot of other retailers are probably envious of the position Depop is in. But how do you expand out? How do you grow from here? So I think definitely. I mean, I'm sort of a believer in that society is always sort of fascinated with whatever the new generation is is bringing and what kind of what they're reshaping, what they're reestablishing, what they're kind of creating from scratch. So I think we're in a really interesting position. Gen Z is obviously an enormous demographic anyway. So that there are, and it's so wonderfully connected that if we consistently serve them well and are the place for them, then more and more Gen Z people come to Depop and engage within it. But I also think Gen Z is this fascinatingly influential generation that is, you know, there's sort of various pieces of data around the quantity of household income, which Gen Z wields influence over and the ways in which they do because of things, platforms like Depop and TikTok, they do spark trends that actually go truly mainstream and obviously far beyond their generation. So I think I like to think that in some, I don't know, in 10 years time, I'd love to say that the legacy of of Depop as a business was making secondhand fashion aspirational and desirable and sort of a better choice than um, the other exists sort of traditional fashion consumption. And obviously would love to see that happen at large, the largest scale possible. Um, and I just, I'm generally, you know, sadly, I'm far beyond Gen Z in age, but I'm just fascinated by the new things that are happening in culture and how culture is reflecting these things and how culture is then spurred on by the creativity of people like Tim and people within the community. So I think there's, you know, the sky's the limit, so to speak. And actually, with, certainly within the secondhand fashion space, there are billions of garments out there and the ways in which they can be reclaimed, reinvented, restyled, to use Lucy's word, are infinite. It's like infinite supply chain without ever having to create anything more. So I think that's definitely will proliferate through Gen Z, but should proliferate further because it's just fascinating. And, you know, as I say, the amazing things that people are doing with these things is, is so interesting to watch. And for what it's worth on the, on the influencer thing, just to pick up on something Tim was saying, I think it's true, albeit somewhat intangible and indefinable, that authenticity and self-expression in the best sense is a really attractive quality. And I think what's fascinating to me is, you know, someone who's not part of the TikTok generation, but just sees how powerful these things are and is sort of, I'm always interested in how new technology can help drive cultural change I think perhaps the difference between TikTok and Instagram is Instagram was the static image of, oh, I look really cool and here I am posing with this particular brand. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that, you know, a lot of brands have actually found influencers that already are creators, that already enjoy their products and recommend their products. And as I mentioned before, you know, TikTok can be so sort of inspirational, educational. Um, So whether that's in skincare or it's in fashion, there's creators out there who really champion brands and then brands will approach them and they'll work together. And audiences love that because they know that it's an authentic partnership and they're probably happy for the creator to be working with the brand that they've been recommending organically for so long. Great. Well, we're just almost out of time. Um, I wanted to, as we're wrapping up, hear from you both. Where does this all go? Do you think fashion can kind of sustain this very fast um, cycle that that TikTok and Depop have introduced um, from a trend perspective? Just you know, curious, especially as we're coming out of out of lockdowns. Hopefully, um, and the pandemic is starting to end. Uh, Tim, if you want to start, what's on your radar right now? We're going to need to slow down in terms of not always looking for the next trend. Because the dangerous thing with social media, I think, 
is as you as you briefly spoken about the the fast pacedness of it and always having a new trend and brands wanting to adapt and obviously wanting to sell product um, and I think that's where um, I think what, what Depop is doing is great in terms of sustainability and I think one thing we do need to be careful about is to not let the fast pacedness of social media kind of turn our taste in fashion into always wanting more and wanting different things, right? Um, so I think there's definitely a balance to be found there. And that's why, for example, personally, in my content, I always try to focus more on on the styling than on the actual item or the brand. So um, rather than saying, you should buy this brand and this brand and this brand, I focus on this is how you style a denim jacket. And you can do the same thing, whether that's a $50 denim jacket or a $500 one, and, and you don't need five different denim jackets. So um, that's why personally I try to focus more on the styling aspect of fashion um, to hopefully not contribute to <laughs> the deterioration of the environment too much and, and focus more on just self-expression and, and the more joyful aspects of, of fashion. Definitely. And, and Peter, what is Depop thinking about for once the pandemic is over? I, I think there will be a, some things that stick around, some things that, that don't. What are you guys thinking about? I think there is the, the sort of wonderful way about the way these fashion inspiration cycles work now is that whatever someone like Tim is styling or putting together or these incredible, fascinating things like the academia threads, as I say, there's sort of this infinite supply chain that already exists. So you can probably find that thing, if not immediately on Depop, you can probably find it shortly thereafter because the selling community will have found that particular item or that color cardigan and represented it. So I think the trends might slow down slightly or they might burn slightly less brightly as hopefully the world returns to actually having things outside of their four walls to spend, sort of spend their times on. But I, I, And I think the other sort of fascinating thing will just be, and this at Depop, we you know, believe deeply in the principles and the values of the audience we're trying to serve. And that's sustainability, it's accessibility, it's equity, all of these sort of things. And I think brands and businesses need to continue to, and it's not rocket science, but be very close to the needs and the expectations of their audience. And in order to continue to play a role in those people's lives, find ways to serve those needs and expectations and have purpose and have values. Because the more and more I think we're all barraged by so many fascinating inspirations. And I think this is a thing that the world has, has really learned in the past year is the ones that will remain with people or the journeys they'll continue on with brands or influential people or style icons on these platforms are the ones where they have shared values and, and sort of substance and everything else might fall away. And that's probably actually a good thing because people will spend lots of time on these platforms, but engaging with the things that inspire the most, or as I say, they, they feel most deeply connected to. So yeah, we're just trying to get to try and find ways to continue to connect with the audience and give them a space to be themselves and then discover and explore and experiment with their self-expression. Great. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed the conversation. Peter and Tim, thanks again for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And Lucy, thanks to you as well for joining me. Join us next week for a conversation with Dr. Helen Crowley, Caring's Head of Sustainable Sourcing and Nature Initiatives, and Rachel Cernansky, Vogue Business's Senior Sustainability Editor. You can find all our shows from this series on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Vogue Business website. For more coverage on the future of fashion, subscribe to the Vogue Business newsletter at voguebusiness.com. Our executive producer was Alan John. My name is Hilary Milnes. That was the future of fashion. Thanks for listening. This podcast is sponsored by PayPal. 
the most trusted buy now, pay later brand, according to a recent survey, which gives merchants access to PayPal's 377 million users worldwide. Learn more at paypal.com slash paylater enterprise. Thank you.